Today from the Global Lane, on the way to a new reality. Illegal migrants first, Americans last. No one is gonna care for you like you are. For everyone else, it's just a business. Big tech social media censorship. One conservative group fights back. Imagine hundreds of thousands of people getting our emails and telegram messages, embedding our videos onto Twitter. Is Twitter gonna ban hundreds of thousands of people? Cancel culture on campus, referring to women as birthing people and breastfeeding as chest feeding? It's an attack on basic biological facts. And it's all right here on the Global Lane. Critics of new immigration legislation introduced in the U.S. Congress say it favors illegal immigrants and non-citizens over U.S. citizens. The bill is called the U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021, and it dismantles many of the immigration policies of the Trump administration. Here to discuss the impact on migrants and Americans living in low-income communities is Namrata Singh Gujral. Ms. Gujral is the director of the recent documentary film America's Forgotten. Namrata, you traveled worldwide to produce a film looking at the dangers of illegal immigration and the failures of U.S. immigration policy. Now, I want to discuss your film in a moment, but first, I'm, I'm assuming you believe this new legislation is just more of the same. It fails to address severe immigration issues that need to be resolved. Your thoughts, please. I think even worse, actually. First of all, thank you for having me, Gary. I appreciate it. Even worse. And the reason worse is because we actually did make some headway in the past four years. And in some ways, what this legislation is doing is not only is it more of the same, but it's actually tracking back the progress that we made, which is very unfortunate because for once we were actually making progress on uh, this terrible tragedy called open borders. And we'll talk about that in a second, but I think it's even worse. Well, President Biden halted border wall construction. He reversed President Trump's uh, remain in Mexico policy. The U.S. Citizens Act of 2021 would create refugee processing in Central America and provide $4 billion in aid to those countries uh, in hopes of discouraging migrants from traveling through Mexico to the U.S. So what do you think of those proposals? The first thing that I would say, and I'm sure President Biden is aware of this, as is his administration, um, do it, processing anything in Central America or South Asia, India, Pakistan, wherever that is, Afghanistan, wherever you're processing. The problem with doing something in lo locally in these countries, and actually I'm making a sequel right now, America's Forgotten too, where we talk about the, the refugee abuse in Kenya from the Somali camps. It's the same problem. You don't have accountability from the local sources, and there's going to be far more abuse when you do that. Now, I know you encourage the Biden administration to put Americans first. I know your film exposes how Americans, especially in low-income minority communities, are harmed by U.S. immigration policy. Explain that to us. My heart aches today for Americans that are poor and that are underserved. We have a lot of Americans hurting right now, a lot. And there's, a, there's several ways that Americans get hurt. We'll talk about just one of the issues. In America's Forgotten, we show the host asking all of the folks on the first Democratic debate on the stage if they would uh, be in favor of health care for illegal immigrants. Today, it's in the news that taxpayer-funded uh, benefits would be now even more further expanded to illegal immigrants. It's not so much that we don't want to be humanitarian. The problem is a lot of Americans who fall through the cracks are folks that are just above that sort of poverty line where they're 
not m making enough money, but not enough to pay their health care benefits. And it's those Americans that are suffering. And guess what? A lot of those Americans are folks that voted for Mr. Biden, the African-American community, the Latino American community. And in your film, you examine the dangers of illegal immigration and human trafficking. Tell us about that. Do you think this new immigration policy will help reduce human trafficking and drug smuggling issues at our southern border? No, actually, to the contrary. Um, one of the things that I address in America's Forgotten, I tell the story, I went to actually meet with some coyotes in when I was in India. It was a, a meeting that was set up by a very well-known journalist in India. And they were showing that uh, clip of the first democratic debate where everyone was in favor of giving health care to illegal immigrants. And they were literally using that as fodder to recruit people to give them money. Because remember, it's a lot of money. I mean, there's per person from India is paying anywhere from fifty to $75,000 based on what deal they're getting. Africa's paying, this is to the United States, Africa's paying forty to 50000 Central America's paying up to the tune of 15000 per person, Mexico up to the tune of 10000 so they use it as a recruitment tool to get this money. Quickly, uh, you say this new America is run by China, India, big tech, where Americans don't matter. So how are they shaping, influencing our immigration policy? What's their goal and the consequences for the USA? Um, my family is actually of Indian American descent, and I'm an immigrant, and I'm a very proud immigrant. But I also love the United States. I will tell you, for any Indians that are watching, this is not an anti-Indian stance, by the way. This is a pro-American stance, which does not have to be confused with anti-Indian or anti-Chinese or even anti-Big Tech, for that matter. But here is, here's the facts. When you look at Google, for example, Google has four large headquarters in India. Most of the folks that are working for Google in India are Indian. And that's okay, except no one's going to care for your country as much as Americans are. So when you've got China and India pretty much creating not, a, not just a lot of the product that we're consuming in the U.S., but also, uh, you know, th they're gatekeeping our information. So you've got your information channels and your product channels, both in China and India, and big tech and big corporations are sort of handling this from a standpoint of it helps their bottom line. The only person that affects is Americans because no one is going to care for you like you are. For everyone else, it's just a business. When they're global, their allegiances to their company, no country. Okay, the film is America's Forgotten, Namrata Singh Gujral. You know the subject well, and we thank you for taking the time uh, to share your insights with us today. My pleasure. Big tech and social media censorship. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, others, insist they don't discriminate against conservatives, but they'll have a hard time convincing our next guest of that. Mario Balaban is media relations director for Project Veritas. Earlier this month, Twitter banned Project Veritas and its founder, investigative journalist James O'Keefe, for posting a video of Facebook Vice President Guy Rosen. Now, Mr. Balaban is here to explain more about this. Twitter said Project Veritas violated its rules, but... I'm assuming you believe it's another effort to silence your organization. Tell us what happened. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so thank you for having me on. Basically, uh, we launched a video on Facebook uh, early, uh, late in January. Uh, Guy Rosen was one of the people we investigated. He was quoted saying how uh, Facebook freezes commenting that they deem to be hate speech. Uh, we went to 
find Guy Rosen a few days after that video was published to get comment, which is a very normal, common practice in journalism to get comment. And the term is doorstopping someone uh, to get comment on something they said. This guy obviously is someone of high importance in Facebook. We went, asked questions. He didn't answer. We published the video of him ignoring our questions. And Twitter decided to say that that video of asking Guy Rosen for, uh, for comment violated their privacy policy. So with that, they locked our account temporarily, both James O'Keefe's account and Project Veritas's account. And um, in a few hours, when we decided to appeal that through the Project Veritas account, they simply decided they wanted to suspend permanently the Project Veritas account. So uh, they just permanently suspended Project Veritas, but they have reinstated James O'Keefe. But of course, the double standards here of you know CNN doing similar things and other media outlets doing the exact same thing as we do and never getting any issues from that is just obvious and you know with that out of control. Well, I, I don't understand. How did you violate his privacy when you actually asked him questions for him to respond to? So he was right outside of his house, and from the video, you cannot tell where what city he's in, what state he's in, the zip code he's in. Absolutely. There's nothing you could tell about the location he was in. The only slight moment you could see anything there was a house number, which still doesn't tell you anything of where that house is located. So they basically try to say that we expose where this man lived. Where, which, but watching that video and, and the caption we put on the video, it's impossible to tell where he lived. So Twitter is now defending Facebook. Is this a first where social media giants have teamed up against free speech, or has it happened before? So I'm sure it's happened before. It was interesting observing in this case. So YouTube also took that, as Twitter was doing this, YouTube decided it was a good opportunity for them to give us a strike as well and remove our video from uh, from their platform. But what was interesting is that, obviously, since the video was about Guy Rose and a Facebook executive, both Facebook and Instagram did not do anything with the video. I think they were, my opinion here, is that there could potentially be optics there involved where if Facebook removed a, face a video about Facebook executives, it would look really, really bad for them. So I think they enabled their allies at Twitter and YouTube to do the dirty work and uh, you know try to get Project Veritas off of social media. Mario, we've seen President Trump permanently banned from Twitter, accounts suspended uh, for many people who questioned the results of the last election. Also, uh, those who questioned COVID vaccines and COVID policy. What's happening here and just how dangerous is it? You know, it's, it's funny you bring up COVID vaccines because just in the two days ago, we launched a new leaked tape from Facebook. We're still going, by the way. We're not stopping. Uh, the leaked tape from Mark Zuckerberg in July talking about how he was concerned about COVID vaccines modifying people's DNA and RNA. And in, on Facebook now, uh, just a couple weeks ago, they just instated a policy which says if you discuss the DNA and RNA modification coming from the vaccine, you'll be, you know, removed or banned. So basically the Facebook... CEO can discuss it in private, but in public, you know, if the 3 billion users want to discuss it, they cannot. So that just came out recently, and it was another bombshell story. We've done several bombshell big tech stories just in 2021, and there's plenty more to come. Well, it seems like that's, you know, science and medicine to question results and to look at other results. Well, Parler's back in business after Amazon pulled them from their web services. So how do conservatives respond? What must be done? I mean... It's important to understand that it is it is good to have um, you know other platforms to that promote free speech, but also the discourse and po politics. It's important to understand that Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram you have to use them because a lot of people 
who don't necessarily agree with your point of view are using that. And in order to get to those people, you must use platforms that you that don't like you, to be honest. So I agree, you know, using Parler, um, Telegram uh, for us, by the way, has been very successful. Recently, we've grown tremendously, but um, it's important to use all of them, both the platforms that censor you so you can get your message across, but also platforms that enable you to say what you want to say without any backlash. And quickly, finally, how is this all affecting Project Veritas? Uh, you've done a remarkable undercover work over the years on vote fraud, other nefarious behavior. What now for you? So we're going to keep going. Uh, our big thing in 2021, which we've been expanding since 2019, is our insider program. We want insiders from big tech, media, especially government today, to come to us with information. We want to enable people who want to be whistleblowers to come to Project Veritas and expose wrongdoing. So this is a big project. And getting censored on social media will not stop us. We're, we will you know, share our videos by proxy. We'll send our videos out through email, through Telegram, ask people to embed. Imagine hundreds of thousands of people getting our emails and Telegram messages, embedding our videos onto Twitter. Is Twitter going to ban hundreds of thousands of people? So that's our message, is that nothing that they can do will stop us or deter us. Okay, interesting uh, strategy. Mario Balaban of Project Veritas, thanks for sharing your insights. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. Cancel culture strikes again, especially on college campuses where you can no longer refer to a woman nursing her baby as breastfeeding. You can't make this stuff up, folks. Ignoring the science, some academics are insisting that by using the term breastfeeding, people are endorsing, quote, a controversial set of values about family life and gender roles. We'll hear with more from the University of Florida's campus reform reporter, Ophelia Jacobson. Ophelia, I'm assuming you're not shocked or surprised by this, so set us straight. We're now politically incorrect if we're referring to nursing a baby as breastfeeding. Explain what's happening. That's exactly right. According to two professors at the University of Pennsylvania and John Hopkins University who wrote an article in a medical journal back in 2016, the term breastfeeding, like you said, can present a controversial set of values for family life and gender roles. And I am not surprised. This is nothing new at the Leadership Institute's campus reform We've been covering how basic biological facts have been attacked by higher education institutions for years. A couple of months ago, we reported on a group of medical professionals at Harvard University who referred to women as birthing people on Twitter because according to the so-called experts, not all those who give birth are women. This is absurd. And, you know, a couple of university hospitals in the, in the United Kingdom are starting to replace the word breastfeeding with chest feeding. So we're seeing this ideology take place overseas, and we're going to see it soon come into our college classrooms in this nation. Well, last time I checked, only women can actually breastfeed. Men can't do that. I understand this movement to remove gender roles, as you mentioned, started in the U.K. What else did they do, and how has it spread? Well, again, what we're seeing, it's not only an attack on the basics, basic essence of womanhood, it's an attack on basic biological facts. It's basic science that a woman is, her, you know, her body is built in a unique way to give birth and to nurture that life. And speaking of science, you know, I find it ironic how the left is consistently pushing for people to follow the science and to look at the facts, especially with the coronavirus pandemic. But it seems as if they are the first people to throw out science when it comes to being all-inclusive and non-offensive. You know, it's a unique ability that it's a God-given ability that women are able to give birth and to nurture that life. But according to the left, it's now a curse. It just shows 
just how radical their agenda is becoming that now it's unfair that only women can give birth and only women can nurture that life through breastfeeding. Ophelia, how should women respond? How should they react to this? Well, I think they should be offended. I, for one, I know that I am offended because it seems as if the left is trying to take away every single thing that makes me unique as a woman, which, again, is the ability to give birth and to nurture that life. You know, science shows that men and women are built in very different ways and have very different and unique roles in this life. So society should be encouraging both men and women to embrace their anatomy and to embrace their biology for what God gave them and to use it, you know, and for women, that's to give birth and to nurture that life. Okay, switching gears here on another recent topic. I'm sure many people are disgusted by this one. Some leftist professors actually wish death on conservative radio host Rush Limbaugh as he struggled with lung cancer. And then when he died February 17th, some actually celebrated. Tell us about comments from professors at Louisiana Tech, Yale, and others. Well, this is, this is really disappointing, to say the least. I mean, these professors are supposed to be educating the next generation of leaders, but instead they're taking to social media to celebrate the death of Rush Limbaugh. You know, we've seen professors celebrate the death of other conservatives and Republicans back in 2019. When Barbara Bush passed away, professors were also on social media celebrating her death. And even with conservatives and Republicans who are still alive, professors are wishing death upon them. A professor said that Trump supporters deserve to die before the election. I mean, what has our nation come to? That if you disagree politically with someone, you can just wish death upon them or celebrate their death when they do pass away? This is not the example that we should be setting for our future generation of leaders. Well, why, why should we con be concerned about this attitude? Don't they have a right to free speech? Yes, but I mean, it, it, it comes at the end of the day to a basic point of human decency. It seems as if the left is forgetting their basic human emotions and sympathy, and that's what unites us as human beings. And anything else you're keeping an eye on as we approach spring break on college campuses? Well, a lot of students, you know, they had their spring break canceled this year, unfortunately, due to the coronavirus pandemic. A lot of universities, uh, you know, thought this through and said, well, maybe if we just keep all of the students on campus, they won't travel, they won't bring back the virus. But I know a lot of students are upset at the University of Florida, where I attend. They canceled spring break, and instead they extended our winter break by one week. And they're giving us a few mental health, day, health days here and there, but that doesn't really make up for that whole week of break that we usually take to, you know, recharge to finish off the end of the semester. Okay, Ophelia Jacobson, campus reform reporter at the University of Florida, uh, Florida. Always good to talk with you, Ophelia. Thanks for setting us straight today. Thank you so much for having me. Members of the U.S. Senate this week question Javier Becerra, President Biden's choice to lead the Department of Health and Human Services. Becerra is State Attorney General of California and a former congressman from Los Angeles. He has some pretty extreme views about government control of your health care, immigration, and especially on abortion. You see, Becerra supports abortion on demand, right up to the moment of birth, and he wants to force people of faith to comply. When he served in Congress back in 2000, he voted against banning partial birth abortion. Becerra also tried to force the Little Sisters of the Poor to abandon their pro-life religious beliefs by requiring them to provide birth control and abortions for their employees. And he tried to compel pro-life pregnancy clinics to promote Planned Parenthood. Well, some polls have shown that 75% of Americans believe abortion should be limited to the first trimester of pregnancy. Becerra believes there should be no restrictions. Senator Mitt Romney asked Becerra to explain his views 
which are counter to those of an overwhelming majority of Americans. Most people agree that partial birth abortion uh, uh, is awful. Uh, you voted against a ban on partial birth abortion. Why? Everyone wants to make sure that if you have an opportunity, you're going to live a, a healthy life. And I will tell you that I, I hope to be able to work with you and others to reach that common ground on so many different issues. I think we can reach common ground on many issues, but on partial birth abortion, it sounds like we, we're not going to reach uh, common ground there. Bravo, Senator Romney. This time you gave pro-life conservatives something to cheer about. And Attorney General Becerra, you talk about having the opportunity to live a healthy life. I guess that applies to every American except for babies who are only moments from birth. I don't think ripping a child limb from limb out of the womb gives it much of an opportunity to a healthy life, do you? And what about U.S. taxpayer funding of abortion overseas? Well, President Biden recently signed an executive order mandating it. By doing so, he reversed a 36-year-old policy first put in place by President Ronald Reagan and supported by both Presidents Bush and also Donald Trump. Indiana Senator Mike Braun asked Becerra about that. Will you commit to not using taxpayer money to fund abortions and abortion providers? Well, we... We probably will not agree on all the issues. I can say to you that we will definitely follow the law when it comes to the use of federal resources. And so I, there I can make that commitment that we will follow the law. Also, remember, folks, this is the lawyer who enforced Governor Newsom's COVID restrictions, preventing Christians from worshiping inside their churches. The U.S. Supreme Court overturned Becerra on that, also on the Little Sisters of the Poor case and his action forcing crisis pregnancy clinics to promote Planned Parenthood. Becerra erred on those issues, so you can't help but wonder what else will he mess up? Whether it's negligence at the VA or with COVID-19 at New York nursing homes, Americans cannot afford more deadly government health mistakes. Becerra's been wrong as California Attorney General. He's the wrong person to become U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Parler, MeWe, and Twitter. And until next time, be blessed.